Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase, part of the Story Forge Network. I'm Scooter, and with me is Verity St. Marie. Hi there. Austin Travis. Hello. LJ Donnell. Yay. And Maximum Overdrive Basket. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw and resolve itself into a dew. Okay. Don't forget to check us out over at Patreon under Legend Smith Productions. This show is brought to you thanks to the support of our wonderful patrons. Today we'll be listening to Continuum Force, which premiered in January of 2019 and was created by JC De La Torre. Identifying as Uber Geeks, the team behind Continuum Force wanted to take aspects of some of the shows they loved, like Doctor Who and Stargate, and create a unique story where they could explore their own what-if scenarios. This episode is called Wheel in the Sky, and it was originally published on June 4th, 2019. And now, a word from our sponsor. Glitter be gone! Finally, you too can be 100% glitter-free. Okay, let's get started. This is the Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment Network. Expand your wonder. Strike your colors, you brazen winch. Does this be brazen winch productions? Arr! An elite force of time travelers discover a terrible truth. The chronicles we've known may not be our past. It could have been altered, our memories changed, and history itself set on a different path. They investigate these anomalies, traveling to different periods of our ancient past to stop a malevolent enemy trying to write a new chapter in humanity's story. They are our only defense. Heroes of ages ago, today, and the future. They are the Continuum Force. And this is Chapter 9, Wheel in the Sky. Senate Subcommittee Mission Log Audio Version. Senators, please remember this recording is classified top secret, Mobius, and the contents should not be removed from these secure chambers. No recording devices, cell phones, or other copying devices are permitted while this audio is playing. Upon completion, Please return the container of the recording to the courier. Transcripts provided are for your eyes only. Mission 208B, 734, Wheel in the Sky. The following is recorded from the Continuum Base, Monstrum Air Force Base, Montana. Why do you have to be so stubborn? Why do you have to be so dim-witted? Just because you're the Tanakh scholar. Dr. Alala, good to see you. Dr. Scherzberg, everything okay in here? Fine. Why do you ask? It seemed there was a disagreement going on. Yes, and you've arrived just in time to help us settle it. By settle it, you mean... Tell my husband that he's a moron. Uh, 
it's one of those days. You know, I'm feeling a bit ill. I'll come back later. This will only take a minute. We were just debating Ezekiel's wheel. Ezekiel? As in, from the Bible? From the Tanakh, yes. The first vision that God gives to Ezekiel includes a description of a wheel inside a wheel. It's clearly a description of a flying machine of some sort. For years, many have theorized that it could be a UFO sighting. Which is ridiculous. I would have agreed with that until we came here. Now I'm beginning to believe that Ezekiel was actually describing one of the bogeys in his vision. You think they traveled that far back in time? I think nothing of the sort. It makes perfect sense. Western culture would be radically different without the rise of Christianity, which was rooted in Jewish beliefs. Your father made it clear that the downfall of the United States, as it currently exists, is one of their chief goals. Wait, the vision of the wheels, is that new? Is that a change from the established canon? The passage described has not been altered. Wheel is in the original version. Blasted computer! How many times do I have to tell you not to spy on me? I was not spying on you. I was spying on Dr. Osumara. If I ever get my hands on that mainframe... We'll all be in a lot of trouble. Doctors... As much as I'd like to spend all day discussing historical conspiracies and UFO sightings, I must go. Dr. Alala, did you come to see us for a reason? Yes, but for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. (laughs) Okay, we're here because Dr. Scherzberg thinks he's found a potential bogey sighting. It's a bit of a stretch, but he thinks it's worth investigating. And at this point, we really can't rule anything out. When and where? 580 BC, Babylon. What on earth? How do we even know about something that far back? It's in the Bible and the Hebrew texts. The prophet Ezekiel described a flying chariot and a wheel within a wheel. I think I've heard people mention that as an early UFO sighting. Of course, the speculation has been just that. Speculation. Well... It's time to find out the truth, if we can. I know it's a long shot, but if the bogeys are going that far back into our timeline, who knows what they might impact. Yeah, maybe they'll keep Atlantis from being destroyed. Wouldn't that be a kick in the pants? Oh, please. Only one far-fetched theory a day, please. I've reached my limit. What about the no religious figures rule? It's why we haven't gone to see Jesus, Moses, etc., Ezekiel's pretty important figure in several religions. Yes, I'm aware. It's a concern, of course. This mission will have an even higher top-secret clearance than usual. Is that even possible? If Eli thinks we should go, then I'm all for it. What does Sharon think? <laughs> One guess. The day we should worry is the day those two agree on something. I'm pretty sure we're safe in that area. All right, that's enough chatter. Prep for wheels up in 30. Dr. Scherzberg is already on the ship, waiting for the rest of you. Yes, sir. Mission audio log 34-1. Commencing. Doc, what exactly do you mean Russian roulette? It's not like our recorded history. We know the month and the day that Ezekiel claimed to have his first vision. He also referenced a year, 30th. It's likely it's a reference to his age. If that's the case, then we should be here at the right time. If. 
That's just great. 30th could have referenced other things, too. Shran did her best to date the events. We're 98% confident we have the year right. Great. That makes me feel loads better. And it's not like we aren't going to stick out like sore thumbs. We'll be a bunch of crazy strangers running around in the desert. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, we're here while the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the ancient wonders, exist. It was a remarkable feat of engineering, and I wouldn't mind getting a look at them. I mean, how often do you get the opportunity to view an ancient engineering marvel? So I don't think we're going to be wandering around the desert. Well, it's certainly a desert these days. Tell him, Doc, about the gardens we're going to get to see. Actually... Cut the chatter. It's now or never. Never. Not an option. Ready to jump in three, two, one. Here in Kenya, that's when the message came through and Prince Philip had to break the news. It was at that point they headed back to Britain and for her to take up her role as Queen of England. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. When we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Mission Audio Log 34-2, commencing. Touchdown. Cloak engaged. I'm seeing an awful lot of desert. We're facing away from the river we're using as a landmark. Scanning protocol functioning. Da. Lieutenant Colonel, I am ready to go home now. Sally, we just got here. We can't leave yet. Dr. Schoesberg, I don't like being here. What did you just say? I want to go home. Doc, what's happening? I'm not sure. Sally, can you please explain? Something is scanning me. What? Who? Sally, what are you talking about? Otiet. Pujosta. Take me dom. What was that? It's... It sounds like she's speaking in Russian. I know that. What did she say? And why is she speaking Russian? Is she malfunctioning? I don't think so. I think she's... scared. Tell me how a computer can be scared. I don't understand myself, Colonel. She's asking me to take her home. Ace, how long is our connection going to hold? Whoa. We have the strongest string I've ever seen. We're good for 48 hours. Let's not chance that. With a computer having a mental breakdown, I say we don't chance anything. We should get the heck out of Dodge. No offense, Sally. Sally, Mr. Borman said something to you. I'm not speaking to him. Okay, Doc, we've officially got a problem. We're here, though, so let's take a couple of hours and see what we can find. What should we be looking for? The prophet Ezekiel was exiled here. Ideally, we'd like to avoid contact to eliminate the risk of becoming part of his visions. But we do need to see if there's any sign the bogeys have visited this place. The vision we're investigating was the first of six he had over a number of years. And since you're unclear on timing... Only 2% unclear. Doc, 
since you're the only one who even has a shot at finding what or who we're looking for, I think you need to go with us. Niet. Sally, I will return. Niet. Shirhan has a message for you. Shiran? What? She says not to poke your nose in where it doesn't belong. <laughs> Looks like your wife pranked you, but good. She got the rest of us, too. Remind me to thank her when I get back. <sighs> Sally, you really had me worried for a minute. Okay, let's gear up. Buzz, you good being here by yourself? Yeah, me and Sally have some things to discuss. Just don't kill each other before we get back. My money's on the computer. That's one bet I'm not taking. Mission audio log 34-2 commencing. Where do we even begin to look for Ezekiel? Somewhere around here. That sounds like you pretty much have no idea. It's not exactly my era of expertise. Well, it's certainly not any of ours, so you'll have to do for now. Thanks. Sharan said that Ezekiel lived on the banks of the Kebar River in Tel Aviv. You mean Tel Aviv. That city was given its name to honor Ezekiel. So, this river here is the Kebar? Yes, many of the Jews who were forced to leave Judea when it was conquered were settled here. Ezekiel was among them. How many people were exiled here? Give or take about 3,000. And how do you plan to find one man here? We could just ask. He's bound to be known to many here. You must heed my words. I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. A great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and the brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof is the color of amber, a fire. Or we could just look for the nearest fire and brimstone preacher. He's a prophet. It's hardly the same thing. And God spoke to me about the destruction of Jerusalem and the hardship upon our people. We must repent and turn to him. Repent! Oh, you're right. Not the same thing at all. It sounds like he already had the first vision. We missed it. Take it from an engineer. That 2% uncertainty will get you every time. We have to talk to him. There must be more he can tell us. Sure, he left it out of the book because he was saving it for his second autobiography. Zeke. Book two. (laughs) Actually, I'm pretty sure it would be I and I, I, Ezekiel. Why are you treating this as a joke? This man is revered by hundreds of millions of people. He has a place of honor in three of the world's major religions. Judaism, Christianity, and... Islam. Really? Yes. That should tell you something. All three agreed that this man was a great prophet. Relax, Doc. You sold me. Let's go chat him up. The following communication contains information about a recognized historical religious figure. If you choose to avoid having this change your world or religious views, you may want to stop this audio and return it to the courier. Log will continue in three, two, one. My friends, I knew the moment I laid eyes upon you that Yahweh had sent you. 
How did you know that? He spoke to me in a vision. He said, five messengers were coming to me and that I must greet them as emissaries and offer what knowledge I had to give. I am wondering, though, where the fifth is, since not with you. Uh, We left him back at the camels. Ah, you have traveled a great distance, and your mission is secret. I understand. How'd you know we are emissaries? But yet, do not assume that we are angels. (laughs) My friends, I have met angels, and you bear no resemblance. (laughs) Now, how may I help you? We understand that God gave you a vision. Yes, that is true. It is not the first, nor shall it be the last. We wanted to ask you specifically about the four chariots in the sky, the wheels that spun inside wheels. So you wish to know more about the alien spacecraft? What did you just say? You just said spacecraft, right? I'm sorry. I assumed that you were aware of the existence of beings from other places. I'm afraid I've shocked you. No, no, we knew. We just didn't know that you knew. I understand. I do tend to be a bit discreet on the subject. Not everyone is aware that Yahweh made many worlds, and we are but one of his mighty works. How do you know about them? Yahweh revealed them to me many years ago, when I was a boy. However, the vision he gave me of them this morning as I slumbered was most distressing. I knew Sharan had the right day. Pardon? Sorry, my wife. She's going to tell me that she was right and I was wrong. It's this thing that we do. All wives live to do this. <laughs> some enjoy it more than others, and some have more practice than others. His wife has a lot of practice. I'll remember you said that. Save it, you two. Ezekiel, please tell us about the ships you saw. They were large, two round discs spinning one on top of the other. Light emanated from them, and far off, they were silent and seemed like they were only a dream. Up close, they brought noise like thunder. They ripped the air and earth around them into the fiercest of storms. Did they land? No, but I am certain they could. Each of them bore four symbols. A man, an eagle, a lion, and an ox? Just as you say. A crystal dome that glittered brightly covered each of the vessels. They were beautiful, but a cloud billowed forth from each one, and it was deadly, causing everything in its path to wither. Some kind of weapon? I don't know. This is... Beyond. This is just beyond. I was bid to look upon these as upon a plague, as those known in Egypt when Moses lived. That doesn't sound good. I'm sorry. I do not mean to trouble you. No, 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 no. We came to hear what you have to tell us. So please continue. There was one more thing that concerns you. I had a vision. A wealthy king owned a magnificent garden. In his kingdom, there was a blind man and a crippled man, both of whom were ill-used. They schemed against the king, and one night the lame man climbed upon the back of the blind man. Together, they went into the garden, and together they were able to rob it of its figs. Neither could get the fruit on his own. It was too high for one man to reach. The blind man couldn't find it, and the lame man could never climb anything to bring it within his grasp. The king, suspecting the truth, later questioned both men. Each pled his innocence, but the king knew the truth. Yahweh revealed that he judges a man's flesh and his soul together since they act as one. That's from the Apocryphon of Ezekiel. What's that? A series of fragmented texts, parts of which are referenced in secondary sources spanning a couple of centuries. They are not part of the established biblical 
or rabbinic canon. English, Doc. I. I. Ezekiel. The unauthorized biography. Got it. So, Ezekiel, your story, or parable. I'm guessing we're what, the lame man? We had to stand on the shoulders of others to achieve and therefore haven't earned the power ourselves. We're just thieves. Did you really just sum up every Jurassic Park movie? No. You, my friends, are not the lame man. You are the blind man. Because you cannot see what is right before your eyes. And what is that? The end is coming. And if you are not careful, you yourselves will cause it. On that pleasant note, we should be going. Stay yet a little while. I have something I must show you. What's that? The ships. They are coming back tonight. The next hour has been redacted. The three hours following have been archived as they contain nothing of significant value as they await nightfall. Resume record. Tell me again why I'm in the desert in the middle of the night? This ship's acting all squirrely. That's why Denise is inside checking out the systems, which freed you up to be out here to witness whatever it is we're going to witness. Your experience as an astronaut could give you a unique perspective on what we're about to see. Silence. They're coming. I don't hear anything. Because you are not used to listening. Silence, please. See it, but I don't believe it. That's not one of the bogies. What is it? It is what you came here to see. I only pray that it is enough to save you when the time comes. Everyone inside, I can't, I can't stop the ship from taking off. Go quickly. How can I ever thank you? Do not thank the messenger for only delivering the message as he was told. Thank instead the one who gave the message. Now hurry. Sally, what are you doing? Everyone, hold on! She's breaking apart! What the? Would someone like to tell me what just happened? Sally, she just went berserk! I told you the computer was heading for a nervous breakdown! Sally, why did you do that? They wanted to hurt me. I've got a bad feeling about this. Sally, that message you gave me from Sharan, did she actually tell you to tell me that? No. Oh, great. Then why did you tell me she had? The colonel has lied to me many times. Whoa, when have I ever lied to you? You told me that you would take care of me. Yeah, every 
Captain says that to his ship. But you didn't mean it. You would have let them kill me. I couldn't allow that. You couldn't allow... Denise, is this as bad as I think it is? No, Colonel. It's worse. End of file. No known derivation from official timeline occurred. Please return the audio file containment device to the courier upon exiting the secured room. Continuum Force was created by Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment in association with Brazen Winch Productions. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please remember to rate and review the show in your favorite podcast app. It's so vitally important as it helps others find the show. You can also show your support by joining our Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week you get access to exclusive Patreon content, behind-the-scenes interviews and footage, as well as early delivery of new episodes and access to episodes that won't be released to the public. Visit patreon.com slash TFA Entertainment. In this episode, the part of Connor Dannard was played by Marcus Sally. Buzz Borman was played by J.C. Delatore. Eli was played by Dr. Scott Vigay. Sharon was played by Debbie Vigay. Denise Cox was played by Rita Delatore. CTC Sally was voiced by Calliope Collicott. Ace Barber was played by Jesse Johnson. Usamara Alala was played by Amy Seville. General Shaughnessy was played by Boyd Barrett. Other contributing voices guest starring in this episode included Ezekiel was played by Pete Lutz. This episode was written by Dr. Scott Vigay. It was produced, directed, and edited by J.C. and Rita Delatore. For more information on the show, including full cast lists and bios, visit continuumforce.transmissionsforatlantis.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Continuum Force, and join our Facebook group. In addition, if you'd like to interact with Continuum Force fans, join our Discord, hosted by Podcast Junkie. This episode is a work of fiction. Any similarities to the living or dead, past or present, is purely coincidental. Historical figures events are a mixture of real history and fictionalized content. We've included links to the actual historical content we mention within this show. We encourage you to go to your local library and learn more about these events and many other historical figures. For if we don't learn from our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Join us for our next adventure in two weeks.
there was so much time at the end. It felt like there should have been an after credit scene. Yeah, now it's just a musical breakdown, I guess. But you're right that there was a huge cast for that. Much, many more people than I felt like I remembered being in the episode. Which I think might have been one of our challenges when we first started listening. Is there were just so many voices that we had to try and be like, okay, who is this person? Oh, that's a new voice. Who is this other person? How do they relate to each other? And it seems like there are multiple doctors too, which did not help that confusion. I mean, that's always going to be a problem when we're listening to only one episode of a show. Mm, especially when it's something that's, eight or, or, this is the ninth episode in the series, so there, there's been so much development already that they would be doing a disservice to their listeners if they went back and explained everything the way that a new listener would need. Sure. I wonder how much it relies on previous episodes to tell you what's happening in this one. I kind of understand that they went back in time to investigate something that Ezekiel saw, and when they met him, he revealed some information, took them into, into the desert to witness something, and then the computer went berserk and they had to get back on board before the computer took them back to the current time. But I don't really understand why or what was going on. Like it didn't have a full plot progression for an episode, like a normal episode, but you'd expect. Yeah, like what was the danger? What was the setting besides walking out at night, pointing up in the sky, and then running back to the ship real quick? I didn't get a sense of things happening. It was dense with the amount of stuff, but it didn't seem to have a good progression as you'd expect. Rising action. Was there even an antagonist that was available during the? episode? No, it sounds like we were about to get one tail end of it. Like, this sounds like it might have been a heavy exposition episode, and the next episode we get more of an antagonist. And the fact that they seem to be doing an every two week release schedule makes that a little less jarring than it might be otherwise. Mm -hmm. But if you were waiting a month between it and, like, you know, we were, let's say we were in uh, February. We've waited an entire month since the last episode. This episode comes out and there's no real action. There's just a lot of exposition, a lot of development, but no actual action. And that that would have been jarring. Yeah, this feels like a, a build towards a later payoff. I hope so. Because, I mean, there's a lot of I liked about this episode. A lot of the acting I actually really enjoyed. Some of the acting I thought was a little overdone. I think there was too much reliance on accents and voices rather than the performance. Uh, mm. For instance, uh, I think it was Eli had kind of a marble mouth sound. And I don't know, it, it almost felt like he was reading it sometimes, but he was focusing on how he sounded versus his performance. And I think it suffered a little bit because of that. It was especially difficult when the colonel told him to calm down, but I was like, I didn't think that he wasn't calm. Was he supposed to not be calm there? Because his, his, nothing had changed. But I really, yeah, I loved some of the voices. I thought that some of the performances were very strong. I wanted to keep listening to them and find out more about these characters. I wish that I had started like writing down notes specifically about what they were saying and who they were and like, been like Charlie with the wall and the lines and the arrows. That was that was how I felt with the episode. Wait, the yeah. wall and the lines and the arrows? What, what is that? It's the Charlie meme from Always Sunny. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. 
so, so basically like um, a murder board. Or a beautiful mind. I've got to say, uh, and this is j- just for background for listeners, I'm Jewish, uh, very secular, but you know, raised in synagogue. And um, one of the things that I really found took me out of the story was the constant use of Yahweh. Now, while that is commonly accepted as what the name of God would be, there is a very strong taboo in Judaism against using that, because if you pronounce it incorrectly, it's considered very disrespectful, and that's bad. So I don't think someone in the position of Ezekiel would have been saying Yahweh over and over and over. He probably would have said the Lord, or Adonai, if he was sticking to a little bit of Hebrew, something other than a name. And that that took me out of it. It felt like they hadn't really done a lot of research on the culture to understand what they, they were just trying to basically appropriate it for the use of the story. And I didn't like that. Uh, additionally, at the time, they mentioned the Jews. There were no Jews at that point in history. They were Israelites. So it was, Judaism did not occur as a religion or a culture until the destruction of the Second Temple, which I believe was 77 before the Common Era. So that's like after the Bispora? Yeah, hundreds of years. So that, that, that was just wrong. And that, that one's an easy mistake to make, but it still feels like if they had done a few hours more research into the forerunners of Judaism, they would have been better informed and it would have made for a better product. I think that's always the risk that you run into when you're doing a story about the real world, especially a story about history, historical things, mm. because, because they actually happened, there's a mirror, there's something you're going to be compared against. Well, it's not even a case of it really, well, sort of, because it's difficult to say as to the historiosity. But yeah, there, there were people back then in the time that they were going to and culturally, et cetera. So. Well, I mean, like if you're telling a story about a completely alien planet, you don't have to worry about whether or not you got an accent right or the way that people talk about their God, for example, like you're talking about, because there's not a real world allegory that you can connect to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I do want to say, I really liked the um, effort they put into in providing us with like rich background sounds. We had a lot of really cool sound effects that a couple of you guys were pointing out in the chat. Um, and they did a lot of work to make sure that we had some music and we had sound effects that were helping paint the scene and set the tone. Um, sometimes they were, you know, the levels were maybe a little out of whack, um, and they weren't completely clear, but like we were all talking about how great the night scene was set, um, with everything going on there. We really could very easily feel like we were observing everything in the night, like, uh, they were telling in the story. So there's one thing I noticed that was missing, though. I don't remember hearing footsteps at all. I did once in the beginning, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because there was a lot of clearly people traveling around without hearing sounds that indicate traveling is happening. Well, if they were in the desert, you wouldn't have necessarily heard as much as if you were in like a hallway. Yeah, but sandy footsteps would have let us know, hey, we're in the desert now, as opposed to like clinky footsteps if we're on the, on the ship. I mean, that's a, honestly, that's a polished level that a lot of shows don't do just because it's adding footsteps to an entire production is a pain in the butt. Yeah. Also, when they entered and exited their ship, I never heard anything that indicated the ship was being interacted with. Do you mm-hmm. guys remember that at all? I wanted more ship noises. It did feel very much like they were just in a different place. Yeah, maybe. Like, because um, I remember there being inside of ship noises, like a background sound. I don't remember there being like a door opening or something similar. 
or maybe we just didn't notice it. It may have just flowed with it. I guess we'd have to go back and listen for it specifically. Yes. If it was there, it was subtle enough that I didn't notice. But I totally agree. Their, their background noises were pretty good in general. I really liked the feel of the genres that they were using. It felt like a mix of pulp adventure and comic book. And I think that they captured that feel really well. I could definitely feel the Doctor Who and Star Trek kind of got together and had a baby and it was historical vibe. Um, so yeah, that, that was appreciated. There was that one circus music in the very beginning that threw us off a lot. Yeah. This show actually reminded me more of the, the show, The Librarians. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Yes. Mm. That's exactly the show I was thinking of. Because that's like Doctor Who, but people are not supposed to be supernaturally smart. And the uh, bickering that went on between them had a real feel of that show. Yeah. Because like The Librarians is kind of like, um, God, what's the heist TV show called? Leverage? Leverage. It's like Leverage means Doctor Who is basically how you describe The Librarians. Mm. Oh, I need to see this. It, it's pretty good. Uh, it was on TNT. They have like three made-for-TV movies and then a series that went on for, I think, two seasons. Yeah, it's either on Amazon or Hulu now. I forget which, but it's out there. There was another thing that kind of bothered me that I wanted to bring up. Sure. Uh, the inclusion of a played-out, very sexist trope about wives and husbands always arguing and the wife always having to be right. Mm. While I can understand an ancient Israelite like Ezekiel being sexist, there was no need to put it in there. It, it just seemed like a throwaway and uh, punching down. Sure. Like if we're going to have alien, like God created aliens and they're coming to visit and we can understand ancient Israelite language. Why? And like, okay, you can argue like it's historical. So there's going to be some misogyny, but it's like, well, it'd probably be like way worse than that. So this is sort of a, I don't know, limp joke. It added nothing to the story, so why do it? Yeah. Even outside of the bit, the bit of cringiness, it was just kind of awkward. Like, um, even for humor I don't appreciate for its content, I didn't find it to be particularly funny. Yeah, because Take My Wife, Please has never actually been a funny joke. Like, any of those sorts of categories have never actually been funny. I mean, really, it was more Henny Youngman making fun of himself than anyone else. But that's not what they were doing here, so... Mm. I did feel like the music was very, we were talking about the fact that the music itself had gotten to the point where it was very like early nineties, late eighties. Mm-hmm. The old show kind of felt like it was um, uh, like one of those sci-fi shows that you would catch on like a Saturday or Sunday. And I think that was probably intentional given how they were describing it. Um, what did they say? It was like Stargate meets a doctor who. Yeah. So I definitely got that kind of like, Stargate feel with the with the militaristic anthem kind of going on. That's not the right word, but it did feel very nineties. But I I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. I think that yeah. was just it deciding to take a firm stance of nope, this is exactly where we're placing ourselves, and this is where we're writing from. It mm-hmm. was a it was a choice, and they made it and they committed to it, and I respect that. Yeah, yeah. I also liked the convention of using the the computer as as a tool to help you travel from place to place and give you little bits of extra story. Like all of this has been saved in the computer and you're accessing through that. I thought that was clever. Yeah. I thought that was neat. Good framing device. That Russian accent though. I I don't know. No. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, it wasn't it wasn't a bad Russian accent, but it wasn't. It, it was a bad clean. Russian accent. I don't think it was bad. I I've known people that speak very much like that, and when when the actual Russian happened, it was pretty nice. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's, it might just be from a part of Russia I'm not as familiar with. Like that could be it. It's a big country. Yes, and dialects happen. You're not wrong. I've heard that dreams stay with you there. All right, let's hear some. Let's hear some individual opinions. Let's hear from Verity first. I think that in general, it's a very thoughtful, uh, maybe that's not the right word. These are very smart people and they're very smart people that are writing something complex. And I think there are moments where their cleverness might get in the way of their storytelling, but I think they've really got something here. I think like there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of, good ideas. I think that if it got pared down a little bit so that it could communicate the story more to more people, I think that, I think that it could be really, really wonderful. I think there's so many things that are happening that are very good already. Um, and, and there's a lot of talent in this. Excellent. Austin. I thought it was interesting and I was only a little thrown by the pacing. Well, I mean, I, Accents and like technical things, sure, but story-wise, the pacing kind of um, has me wondering a little what's going on. I don't know if they need more time or, as Verity said, to kind of pare things down a little bit to convey the story. But um, and maybe we sampled the wrong episode, you know, to get a feel for how things normally happen, and that we were dealing with a really dense one. But I. I'm very curious. I, I do like what they laid down and I'm probably going to listen to a couple other episodes and see um, what the whole story is. Cause this doesn't seem like standalone episodic. It seems like they are working on something really big that they want you to appreciate. And I want to give them some of that, uh, some appreciation for that. Yeah. I feel like it's like seasonal. Like there's one story over a season. Mm. All right, Max. Like I said, I really appreciated the way that they selected their genres, stuck to it, they committed to it. Those were really good. I do think that they could have benefited from some additional research as far as making sure that what they're presenting as far as an actual period of history is a little more authentic, especially considering I know that they're very big on trying to have authentic representation. That's something that they mentioned in uh, the show notes that they had sent us. And th those are great things. And I respect the fact that they were trying something different. And I think what Verity had said about maybe being a little too clever and focused on that really does kind of ring true to me. And, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, I enjoy clever writing. I enjoy the way that they're taking a different sort of perspective on things than most time travel related shows. And I, I definitely think it was worth listening to. It also felt like it flowed well. I did not realize that it had been like 25 minutes until I looked down at the time and said, oh, wow, that's in 26 minutes. So yeah, pretty good. All right. And LJ. Um, so Overall, listening to it, you know, I, I agree with you guys on a lot of the points. Like, it, obviously, it has a very 90s feel. I was thinking actually a little more simplistic, less something like Stargate, more something like um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like, I feel like they did a lot of good world building. Like, the world and the, the premise was very cool. 
Um, but yes, uh, there, there were some parts where there was an obvious lack of research and some of the lines felt a little stilted for me, which is why it felt more like a young adult show over something that was made for like adults, uh, which is again, fine. But because of the nature of the story, if you want to go a certain direction, you have to decide what the age group is there. Um, you know, tightening up the lines, maybe review the script a couple times, read it out loud, kind of listen to see where it pulls you out. But for the most part, it was, it was very enjoyable. It's very clear it is um, a love letter to those kinds of shows, but also their, their own thing. I really dig the premise. I really dig the idea of going back and, and communicating with these people. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see where they go. I think they can only get better. Like there were some problems I noticed where like they would breathe in a strange place. A couple of people, you know, would or, or like their their presentation of the line really made it sound like more more that they were reading it versus acting it out. But I think that's just gets better as you go along. And I think that's what we're going to see. And and what '90s show doesn't have a weak first season, an incredible second season if the premise is strong enough and the heart's there. And I think both of those things are. Excellent. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you guys have pretty much covered everything I wanted to cover. I think this is a show that I am interested in. I don't think the theme is so much something that I am super interested in listening to more, but I still think it was done pretty well. And honestly, some of the voice acting I actually really, really enjoyed. I had a hard time telling the difference between characters, even though their voices were different. I don't know why either. It was either from the larger cast or something, but at some point I I lost the connection between who was who several times. But yeah, other than that, that that's well, and the um the Yahweh thing and all the little other things besides that. I say it was pretty well done. Oh, uh, I almost forgot my rating. Uh, I'd give it seven and a half Tardises out of ten. Ooh, me next. I'll give it. Uh, oh, we're doing out of 10? Yeah, I will I will do six and a half Beetleborgs out of 10. I'll give it an eighth doctor. Out of 10, or is there 14 doctors? Well, if I'm going with 14 doctors, then I'll give it a 10th doctor. Okay. <laughs> I'd say it's like um, six Baramy Jeremy's out of 10. I'm going to say three and a half Silver Hawks out of five. Okay. Man, now I've got the theme from that running through my head. Thanks a lot, Austin. Yeah, you're welcome. I feel like I, they should feel pretty good. I upgraded them to a David Tennant, so... I mean, you're not wrong. This episode was brought to you by... The Bermuda Triangle Tourism Board. Come for the tropical weather. Stay because <laughs> you can't leave! That was Wheel in the Sky from the show Continuum Force. To find out more, go to continuumforce.transmissionsfromatlantis.com this has been Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com. Don't forget to check out our other shows, Anansi Storytime, the Fairy Tale Audio Drama, and Geek Core Radio, the podcast for hearing not your parents' music. I mean, unless they're cool. In that case, tell them I said hi. Thanks for listening. As always, high five. We made it. Doctor? 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 Doctor?